Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 113. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing tonight? I am stuffy. Oh my, you remember how I told you like last week that I felt the cold coming? It came? It came and now it's it's leaving. And you know, when it leaves, it's just a buildup of fluids in your head. And that's always fun. That's the worst, man. I'm sorry. I hope you fight this thing off and are back to health for our next week's show for sure. But uh, that is not fun. Uh, it, it, I think it's fine. I went to bed perfectly fine last night. I was like, you know, 11 o'clock. Let's go. Time for bed. Derp, derp, derp. And then I woke up this morning going, oh, my God, my head weighs 20 pounds. <laughs> See, when I woke up this morning, I was saying, oh, my God, my head. But it was for other reasons. So, Oh, <laughs> why was yours <laughs> Uh, I went to a concert last night, and there's a little too much uh, whiskey flowing. So, uh, yeah, on a Tuesday. I overdid it for a Tuesday, that's for sure. But I, I survived. It was fun. You're getting older. You'll, you'll realize this as you get old. I can't do two. My wife was going to give me a third uh, glass of wine on Sunday, I think it was. And I said, no. I'm like, no, because I know tomorrow is going to be good. And I was hashtag responsible. I don't know. I wasn't ready to be hashtag responsible last night. I don't know. I, I felt like I needed it, but I well overdid it. That is for sure. But we are going to be getting into the New York Islanders, Mitch. And do you have an addition for us for episode 113? I do. So, again, we take a pick from every draft post-2000, and we're at 2013. So this is the Victor Cruz Rydberg edition. Victor Cruz, a football player? No, no, no. Victor uh, Cruz Rydberg. <laughs> Forgot a uh, third name there. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, or Cruz. It, it's C-R-U-S. Not Zed. Cruz Rydberg. Okay. So, yeah, him. <laughs> well, and we'll get to him later. Yes, we're not just going to drop a name. We'll get to him, and we'll, we'll, I'll ask you three the same questions. I, I, I think I don't save them, but I'm pretty sure the exact same questions, and we'll see what your answers are later on in the show. Can't wait to get into it, Mitch. So... <laughs> Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. The Islanders went 2-1 and one on the week. Uh, both of their wins needed either overtime or a shootout. 
Yeah. And they are now three and three on the season. What are your uh I guess overall feelings on this past week of games? Uh it was a nail biter against the Blues. That kind of sucked. Um and God, third period leads, we still can't hold them against the Panthers. But then the the, the bag skate that happened against Carolina, I was kind of expecting. I just wasn't expecting it to be that bad. No, it was pretty rough. Carolina was definitely the worst. Uh, it was the only loss, obviously, but that was, was not Carolina a fun one. the worst? What, do you think St. Louis was worse? I think so. Like It felt great because we won, but we were terrible for 55 minutes. I just felt the first game was more the Islanders were getting, like, Dominated. I didn't feel like they were getting dominated against the Blues. Really? Okay. I, I absolutely think they did. But you're, you're fair enough. All right. That's fine. They were dominated against uh, the Carolina Hurricanes. But if you want to get our full comments on this, head over to our patron page. We are now at a, 102 patrons that crave uh, exclusive New York Islanders content. So if you want to go over there after every New York Islanders game, we're recording a 30-minute podcast most nights, 25 to 30 minutes about... Just breaking down the game. We give you our winners and losers. We give you headlines, and we break down the action from start to finish. So if you want to, head over to our Patreon, subscribe, and get your post-game podcast after every game. Yes, absolutely do it. We are still early in the season, only six games in, and the Islanders are at 500, so you're definitely going to want to tune in for the rest of the season and potentially playoffs, too, if they make mm, it. Yeah, they can make it rain, the playoff prediction. Stanley Cup, buddy. That's what's happening. Sure, yeah, that's, that's completely fine. Uh, so let's jump into it. Speaking of the games this past week, Oliver Wallstrom made his New York Islanders debut on Monday, the matinee game on Columbus Day, no less. It seems like they always have their matinee game on Columbus Day, and I always work on Columbus Day, so I never get to watch. Columbus Day slash Canadian Thanksgiving weekend, so thank you very much. Okay, there you go. I'm, yeah. I forgot. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's a gravy day for me. That's all that matters. You so. load it up on the gravy. You, that's oh, all that counts. Oh, boy. Right up in the, in the IV, buddy. <laughs> so Oliver Wallstrom made his debut on Monday. He started out on the third line, but they kind of shuffled him around as the game went on. He looked pretty solid, Mitch, even though he didn't you know, show up on the score sheet per se, but he, he looked rather solid. He probably could have shown but not could have. He could have shown up on the score sheet. He had a couple of good chances. Uh, he had the one wrist shot coming from uh, the half wall in towards Biddington, and he just mistimed it. He let it go too early because he saw the pressure coming. Uh, he and he held on to it for like a split second more. He probably would have at least got it on net and maybe even through. Um, but what a wrist shot that was! The way it whizzed and hit the boards, uh, whizzed whizzed by Biddington. It didn't pee all over the place. Um, whizzed by Biddington and smashed along the boards. Whoa! There's some fire in them wrists. No, there is, and that's one of the things with Oliver Wallstrom is we know he's a shooter and a goal scorer, which is something that the Islanders really lack. Yes, before the season and before he was signed, like Patrick Laine was probably like, if, if the Islanders want a goal scorer, he's probably the one that's on the market the most out of everyone. So uh, that was a name that continued to come up. But if Oliver Wallstrom could be maybe he doesn't score 100 goals in three years or whatever the case was, but if he's someone who can give this team that dynamic that they're missing, it, it could be huge for their top six. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they don't they look just down the right-hand side. Jordan Eberle's 
uh, injured right now. He's day-to-day. He didn't make the trip to Winnipeg, nor did Casey Zekas. Um, but Casey Zekas apparently is even closer, so or is close. Um, <clears throat> so who's the right wingers? The Bailey, who's not really a natural right wing, but still plays on the right, and then Cal Clutterbuck. They need someone up there that can give them like 20, 25 goals, maybe more in a good year, and that guy's Oliver Wallstrom. Yeah, I would certainly think so. And how he played that game, I think, gave you some insight to you know what he could be this year and beyond. Like he, it's not just someone who is a really good shot. He's not afraid to use his body. He had two hits pretty early on. It might have been on his first shift. His opening like two shifts, two hits. It took Michael Dal Cole six games last this year to get two hits. By by the time uh, the first period was done, Oliver Wallstrom had a, one shot on goal and two hits. In six games, Michael Dalcole had two hits and two shots on goal. Right, so out of the two, I think it's pretty fair to say that one game of Oliver Wallstrom, he's been a lot more noticeable than Michael Dalcole, who originally started in the Islanders' top six this year. Exactly, and so the impact is there. Uh, yes, this is his first game, but you know his first game, he didn't necessarily you know pull a Michael Dalcole and play it safe. He was no. I have to stand out. I have to make my my impact known. Because look, if he's if he sticks the landing here, and his call up, he's staying. He sticks. He sticks on this team because they need him. They need a guy who can score from the right. Because they all they have is Jordan Eberle. After that, it's Cal Clutterbuck on the on the second line or even third line, and that just isn't working. No, and, and that's the thing. And I'm glad you mentioned um, taking the chances and stuff like that. Oliver Wallstrom realized like, hey. This is why I'm here. I'm here for a, a top six role because that's the kind of player that he is. And he was willing to take those chances where Michael Dal Cole plays a much more conservative game. And I think that's part of the reason why he really didn't do anything in, in that top six role. I ideally, I mean, ideally he's probably a healthy scratch, I guess, but if you're gonna play him, it's got the third line, and that's pretty much it. You can't really do too much else with him. No, but I imagine he still plays probably on the second line against the Winnipeg Jets just because they're that short on bodies. Again, cases because Jordan Eberle aren't making the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine he plays, but ideally when they're at full strength, he's not anywhere near. In the, look, look, if Andrew Ladd is healthy, he's making his team, and Michael Dalcole has nowhere to play. Yeah. That's a good point. They're they're not gonna. There's no way to get rid of that contract, and you got to play him. And then, like he, if he's healthy and he's playing well, you still got a 20 goal uh, score in, in Andrew Ladd. You still do. Like, yeah, yes, he's got an albatross contract, and he'll never make up for it. He'll never pay that off um, in our eyes. Um, but you still got a 20 goal scorer who's got one heck of a shot, and and who can play on both sides of the ice. He can play third line minutes and still get you 20 goals. Michael Duckhold probably cannot do that. At this point, it's safe to say he can't. So, Right, and I kind of want to see, as weird as this is going to sound, I kind of want to see Andrew Ladd with Derek Broussard. I think they could give you like nice scoring depth. Now, I definitely think that's not to say that Andrew Ladd isn't overpaid and or I'm saying justifying his contract in any way. That's You can't. He's never going to. <laughs> no, at, the, at this point, no, you're never going to. But with the Islanders' current situation... I think that him and Broussard make the most sense on that third line. And I know we're kind of going all over the place here, but I, that ultimately, you know, down the road, they're expecting him to come back in late November 
So if he comes back, let's even say it's December, January, February, March, and April, that's five months of Andrew Ladd playing. And you got to find a spot for him somewhere. And on that third line, I think makes the most sense, especially if Michael Dow Cole continues to struggle like he has. And, and the caveat here, the reason we went down this rabbit hole is because we assume that Oliver Wallstrom is going to make good on the opportunity that he's being presented right now, because so far he has. And if he continues to do that, then there's no justifiable reason to have Michael Dacol there, assuming everyone is now healthy, uh, which isn't a tough assumption to make. Like, people get healthy. You know, uh, we, we don't take sustained damage and that's it. <laughs> we, 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 we recover our health and our strength. I will not always be sick for the rest of my days. I don't know about that. You're sick very often. <laughs> against the kids man it's the, I love them so much but it's when it's papa kamasava <laughs> right in your face and you're like thanks basha Elliot how are you doing <laughs> and you're going god can you just like cover your mouth that's that's my job for the last week was couvre ta bouche we even wrote a song about it it's just a simple little jingle that's it just so that they can remember to cover their damn mouth. <laughs> Anyways. I'm so um, sorry that I'm laughing, but it's so funny. It's ridiculous. Um, but uh, parents out there will understand. Um, Oliver Wallstrom, so far, is making good on this opportunity. Oh, let's go back to Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, he's making good on this opportunity because he knows, like you said, it's Devontae's 2.0. Right, like He's coming in knowing, if I, if I do good, they will give me this role because they need someone like me. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth because that's what I wanted to get into next was that we saw this happen just last you know, last year when Devontae's came up and it was because they had so many injuries. Thomas Hickey was out and you know the other uh, defensemen were banged up and he was able to play and play rather consistently. And you can tell that the kid could play for, right from the jump. And I know it's only one game, but... He kind of got those vibes in that first game and what we saw in the preseason, too, from Oliver Wallstrom. Exactly. And Lou said he's close. Well, you know what? He's that close. He's He should be here. No, maybe not should be here. If he's going to be here, um, they need that. Sorry. He could be here. He could easily be here. And this is what Lou, Lou said by him being this close. I don't want to say, like, he needs to play in the NHL right now. He needs to make this team. It's been one game. He's going to be there. Excuse me. He's going to play, um, but barring like the Islanders just don't have better options. Tom Again, Clutter, took the words out of my mouth. Clutter, <laughs> sorry, and Michael Dal Cole. They're fine, but that's it. They're just fine. We need better than fine. Right. He's the Islanders' best option right now, and unless something changes, he is going to be here. And that was the same thing with Devontae's last year. Was he was a better option than Thomas Hickey, even though Hickey was a veteran. Taze is playing over him. He pushes the needle forward, right? He being Taze in this case. And now it seems with Wallstrom, he's pushing that needle forward. And we're, we're getting caught up in a single day thing. But you know what? Like, we have to. This, this is the situation. And that's what, what coaches do. They're paid to, to not overreact, but to look at single game sample sizes and say, all right, take that single game. How does that project over the next five games? Is it getting better? Do you, you see room for improvement? Yes, perfect. Is it possible for him to even be better than what he was? Yes, great. Was he good enough? Beautiful. Like they have to do these things. That like we keep get getting caught up in like, oh, it's only been one game. But you have to play that one game, and you still have to judge that one game because on that one game basis, he might go back. 
Like Barzell played two games in his opening season in 2016-17, right? Two yep. games, and they're like, peace out, son. Sure, he played the puck in the box. That's not a good thing. But there's still two games. You didn't, you didn't give him much of a chance. And even then, the break between those two games, he didn't play game one and game two. He played, I think, game three and then like game nine or something like that. Yep. Right? That sounds about right. It wasn't... I don't remember the exact which ones they were, but it, there was definitely spread out over, over time. Beauvillier was getting a ton more time early on. I thought it was... Montreal, and then he played against Washington, and Washington's where he played the puck in the in in the box. Yeah, and I think that's when they realized, okay, this kid is uh, shell shocked, and they sent him back. And even I think they even waited a day or two before sending him back. Yeah, they. I feel like they did too. I don't think it was right away. Maybe it's because they were on the road or something like that. Whatever. Yeah, it definitely could have been. But for Oliver Wallstrom, I mean, we know, like we said, we know it's only one game, but you have to like what we saw, and you know we're kind of gushing all over him and he didn't even put up a point which I think talks to the point that you brought up was that he can get better and what we mean by that is he could start producing points and based on the much bigger sample size that we've seen of Michael Del Cole at the NHL level he can't he is not going to be doing the same things that Oliver Wallstrom could and that's why he deserves to be in that situation even when Jordan Eberle comes back he still deserves to be on this team and in a top six role, unless something catastrophic happens in the next couple of weeks. Right. Let's, uh, uh, sorry, I, I just want to put a pin on something on the Michael, da- maybe not put a pin on something, but put an asterisk on the Michael Dow Cole thing. He could eventually play better. Look at look at Josh Bailey, right? Josh Bailey was a 30, 30 point player for his life until all of a sudden, boom, 50 to 70 point player. And you're going, what the heck? It's possible in eight years from now that Michael Dalcole, sorry, maybe not eight years from now, (laughs) three years from now, because again, he was drafted in 2014, uh, that he becomes a good player. But the signs aren't there as a stance right now. Whereas with Oliver Wallstrom, you're saying, all right, the impact is there. He just needs to dial that shot in a little bit. Just just hone it in a little bit, sight, sight it in a little bit more, and he's right there. Yeah, so I could definitely say that uh, I'm excited about Oliver Wallstrom. It seems Mitch is too, and uh, hopefully he's here to stay. Right, Mitch? Yeah, unless he has a, a like a really bad game against Winnipeg. But dude, Winnipeg—that's a perfect opportunity for him. They're on the road on on a team that is terrible defensively. Let's go do something here, buddy. You got you're going to have time and space when Josh Morrissey's on your back for 20 minutes. Yeah. And you should be able to capitalize and take advantage. And as a team, the Islanders should be able to score a lot more than two goals in regulation. Uh, you would hope. You, they definitely need to because that's what they've done the last three games. <laughs> well, goal differential, Matt. It's all about goal differential. I know. I know. And we know who said that, Mitch. <laughs> Lou Lamarillo, who we're going to get into next. And I'm going to say why I think that Lou Lamarillo shouldn't get a pass because of his name. All right, Mitch. So a lot of people, I think, give Lou Lamarillo a bit of a pass because of his track record, what he did in New Jersey, the sustained winner he did, that he built there with all the championships, and then more recently, the success that he had with Toronto, turning that program around, even though some of the pieces were there already, but he was still kind of, I guess in some people's eyes, the, the missing link to that organization and getting things flipping the culture and stuff like that. You know, we love talking about flipping the culture and stuff like oh, that. Oh, right? it's all about flipping cultures, buddy. Right. So I think, and this 
let me preface this by saying that I'm not saying that Lou Lemerell deserves to be fired or that he is doing a bad job. I just think that there are some things that you can criticize him for. And I, I don't know. I just feel like it's one way or the other. There's too many people who are like, he hasn't done anything. What's going on? And then on the flip side, it's just like you got the blinders on and just staring into the sun, like bowing down to Lou Lamarillo. I think you got to find the middle ground here. No, I, I don't think so. I think it's fair to it's clearly fair to criticize him. You can criticize anyone for anything they do because that's what the free speech is all about. Um, is it fair to criticize him for what he's done? Yeah, absolutely. Is it only six games into the season? Yes, absolutely. There's pros and cons to any argument you make pro and against Lou. Like, you could say, I don't like what he's done. Well, you haven't really given a chance. Okay, well, I really like what he's done. Well, he hasn't done anything. Right, like, it could go either way. So, to say that you can't criticize him because, like, well, look at the cups, and you're going, all right, cool. When was the last one again? 2002? I think three, but the point remains the same. Yeah, that's 16 years ago. Hasn't won one in 16 years. It's great. He has that potential. And it's not to say that he shouldn't be doing what he's doing or he needs to be taken out of the role that he's in. It's to say, all right, well, he's not perfect. No one is, obviously. Um, Can he get there? Yes. Has he made strides or or, or has he improved the culture? Yes, exponentially. It's going in the right direction. It's just, it's hard to see... um, what he's doing exactly because we're not really sure what the plan is. You know, in Toronto, it was very clear what the plan was. We're, we're, we're tearing it down. It was very clear to see. That's not the plan here, or it doesn't seem to be. So what is it exactly? Where are they going? You know, they try to go and get Panarin with a $12.5 million a year, and then no one. And then it's, oh, we're going to go for the youth. Like, those, those are great strategies, but they're, you can't have the same that same strategy or those two strategies in the same year. And just be like, oh, the plan A is Panarin 12.5, and then plan B, we're going to see what we get in the, in, within our system. Let's right. see what happens. That's that's why I, th- I think that's the basis of my criticism, because after John Tavares left, it was very clear that they were missing another top six player. Yes, it helped that Brock Nelson turned into a second-line center, and that you can have still a pretty good one-two punch at center down the middle with Barzal and Nelson, but... They still were missing one more like top six piece. And we saw that through 82 games and eight playoff games last year. So through 90 games, the biggest thing was the with the Islanders was good team, need more help with scoring. That was the case at the trade deadline when they were in first place. Didn't make a move. And then this past offseason, the Islanders brought back essentially the same exact roster. You swap out, uh, you have Varlamov in, and Leonard out, and on the third line, you get Broussard in and Philpula out. So essentially, the same exact team from a year ago. And everyone said last year, okay, this team needs help scoring. Now I know, and to his credit, rightfully so, he went after Artemi Panarin and went after him hard. But after they whiffed on that, it was back to, okay, well, we're just going to go with the youth. But that's the confusing part to me. That's the part that I don't get, and I feel like He's got to be held accountable after 96 games. The Islanders still have the same scoring issue. And have made one trade. Yeah, and they traded Eamon McAdam for Matt Martin. That was the only trade or really big change to their roster. Yeah, so 
I'm fine with the strategy of using the youth, and I'm not ready to criticize him yet because if it pans out, great. I think it would have been well open for criticism if he calls up a guy like Matt Lerito instead of Oliver Wallstrom, right? The thing I don't get with that, though, is then why are you trying to sign Artemi Panarin? I, I'm right there with you. Look, we, we talked about this at the trade deadline, and or not the trade, in free agency, and, and you, you go back and look at some of the players that were taken even later in free agency for bottom dollar, and you go like, why, why didn't you make that? I wasn't so keen on those moves now, and um, I was proven wrong. Like, Dezingle, right? Like, you were, you were well in on that one, and I was going like, why are, we, why are we so keen on Dezingle? Well, he has six points in seven games right now. Right, and that could obviously change as the season goes on, but my thing with that was, well, looking at what this team had, I just I didn't want them to be in a position where they had to play Michael Dalcole in a top six role, which is exactly what happened. That's just it, right? So like they went with youth and they went with our team's going to be better, and you know it's so far so good. It's it's and when I mean so good, I mean some of the players that they're hoping would have better years are having better on pace years. Bovilli is doing great. Barzal's got what four points in six games, which is better than what he was on pace for last year, right? So uh, four divided by six times eighty-two. No, that's not. No, it's worse. <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the thing because it's only six games, so the numbers are going to be really wonky. But Barzal has looked good. I think you can make that case without pulling up the on-pace numbers. That's true. He has looked good, um, but it's still that's the guys that were good last two years ago. You know, if they put up those numbers, we're still in a hole because we still have, uh, like you're saying, a missing link on, on the on the top six in the second line. When you have Michael Dalcole playing either left wing or right wing, whichever one you want him to slot in at, um, not a top six player. No. The Islanders still miss that. And <clears throat> is that going to be Wallstrom? Yeah, cool. If that was your plan all along, great. But don't tell me that was your plan if you, you send him down to the AHL. Exactly. It seems like a, it seems like a weak plan. That's my biggest thing, I think, is that there doesn't seem to be a plan. And I know Lou Lemarillo is a guy who isn't going to be like super open and honest what he's trying to do. But if you're just trying to follow the tea leaves here, it's taking you all over the place with trying really hard to be all in on Artemi Panera. It's like, okay, the Islanders are going for it. I like that. That's great. But then after he leaves, you just re-sign Anders Lee, which they were going to do regardless, according to Lee, his agent, and pretty much everyone involved, that was going to happen anyway. Yep. And then there's no pivot to try and get the next best guy on the market. That, that That's it. Like he was, uh, July 2, Lou was gone for a month. I think it's because the market, like the players available, the drop-off between player one and player two was that significant. Right, like who is the next the next player up after Panarin in free agency? In unrestricted free agency. Duchesne? Is you gonna guide another center? And like listen, I, I don't even think Duchesne was ever in question. It was it was Nashville and that's it. Yeah, well, okay, so then for the Islanders then, or for someone who maybe could have signed, uh Right. Uh, Pavelski? Sure, fine, but you know they're adding thirty-four-year-old Joe Pavelski. Is he even thirty-four? Is he thirty-six? Uh, I think thirty-four is sticking out, but it could honestly be thirty-six. So I don't want to definitely say because I'm thirty-five. 
Okay. So we, we'll we were the difference. But um, and that's the thing. You're you're not getting a guy, th- and they they bought him for three years. Dallas Stars did at seven million dollars. Tell me you're not you would you would not be happy, or tell me you would be happy with the thirty five year old at seven million dollars for the next three years. I, I think no. that's the reality of the situation that 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 Lou was looking at. I guess so. And then that's why he went from one to the other. But oh, you're going like that. That's a, that's a wild swing. That's a way big difference. We go from it's either Artemi Panarin or nothing, guys. And you go like, okay, that's that's not reassuring. But it's not like there weren't trades or anything like that going on either. Correct. You're right. That, that That's me looking strictly at unrestricted free agency. That's not even RFAs where you could do an offer sheet, which, you know, he may have, but who knows. Uh, or, or like you said, trades. Like, what, what players were traded by the, uh, during the last, like, year? Or even just in the offseason? I mean, a solid amount. I could I could pull up uh, the list. There was, there was a good one. Just if you vamp for a, a minute or two, I'll be able to yeah, get Yeah, I'm it. trying to bring up the NHL trade tracker that I've got here. Like, um, So I'm trying to look to see who of the big names. Obviously, James Neal. <laughs> look, you look at that James Neal, con- that James Neal uh, trade, and you go... Milan Lucic, you know, sure enough, he's got four years left on his deal, but who else has four years left at five and change? Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. That could play bottom the... six minutes and maybe get you 50 points if you're lucky. Okay. Thanks to James Duffy on Twitter, I have forwards who were traded since Lou Lamarillo became the Islanders GM. All right, ready? Go. Ryan O'Reilly, Max Pacioretty, Elias Lindholm, Jeff Skinner, Dylan Strom, Mark Stone, Gustav Nyquist, Matt Duchesne, James Neal, Phil Kessel, Alex Galchenyuk, uh, Nazem Kadri, Eric Howla, uh, Mike Hoffman, Max Domi. Yeah, um, some of those expiring deals, you know, whatever. But you know, a lot of those not necessarily. God, that, that Mike, that Mike Stone one. Mike, Mark, Mark Stone, which one? Mark. Um, jeez, sorry, Mike. Uh, Mark Stone, like that one still kind of bugs me a little bit. Uh, just that to me, that was a perfect type of player. But if we had to give up Noah Dobson, then I'm not, I'm obviously not doing it. Uh, but man, maybe you know, maybe Bodie Wild, maybe maybe up the price. Like, all right, well, we'll give you Bodie Wild and uh, I don't know, uh, someone else, Samuel Budzik. There you go, you get two. How about that? Okay, but uh, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of movement there and not a lot of movement from us. No, so I guess now that we were talking about trades and stuff like that, you wrote something this week uh, talking about three teams that the Islanders should call in order to make a trade. So do you want to transition and get into that a little bit? Yes, let's do that. Okay, Uh, so who made your list? Well, for me, Winnipeg was the first one. They have an immediate need right on defense, and the Islanders have a surplus of defenders. Absolutely, that one makes the most sense. Um did you include a package in it, or is just looking at teams? It, I just looked at teams because um, I, I just I didn't want to put four trade packages because that's where people really start getting like nasty, like oh that's a stupid trade, and I just don't want to have to get into conflicts with people. Um, like there's a reason I, I don't walk my dog when I like that side on the left side of my house because there's an old lady there who just doesn't like dogs peeing on the tree because that's what dogs do forever and ever. Amen. Anyways, and I just don't want to get into it with her. Um, but so with the Jets, they clearly need, uh, defensemen. They need 
good defensemen. They need puck-moving guys. Nick Letty is right there. We we don't necessarily need him, even though Barry Trotz likes him. Um, but even if not, they, with Scott Mayfield, they don't have very many righties over in, in, in Winnipeg, so why not? Why not Scott Mayfield if you can pull in a, a Nick Ehlers? Yeah, I would be willing to move Scott Mayfield. And I, I like his game, but I don't think it's something that's like you're back broken if you move him. Like you can't, to me, out of the Islanders defenseman, Ryan Pulak, at this point Noah Dobson and Devontae's are guys that you want around. After that, pieces are expendable with the depth that they have. That's the position where they built it up. The Islanders would be able to move on from Scott Mayfield and still be fine on the right side because you have Pulak, Boychuk, and Dobson. Exactly. So, you know, if you're pulling into Nick Ehlers, who's a 60-point player, if not more, depending who he's playing with, all right, perfect, cool. Look, there's some people who are willing to trade Ryan Pulak right now for Nick Ehlers. No. I'm not, but I, I get it. I get the sentiment. Um, another team was the Los Angeles Kings. They're just trying to get young, and the Islanders have youth. You, if you can send him Sebastian Ajo and maybe a pick for Tyler, one year left to Tyler Toffoli, okay. That this that's a fifty point player we're talking about. Yeah, like Tyler Toffoli's not like a super flashy name, but I just think that he would be a solid piece and an upgrade to what the Islanders are currently putting up there. You know, exactly. And look, he can get you nearly thirty goals. Something the Islanders could use on the right side specifically. Something the Islanders can use. He's twenty seven. He's not like at the t- top of his prime, and you got him again for one year. He just put up 34 points, I think it was, last year. He's not going to cost you $8 million a season. Even if he puts up a good year, you can probably get him for six, maybe seven, if he has a really good year this year. Right, and that's even if you want to bring him back. Maybe you don't want to bring him back after this year because you like what you saw out of Oliver Wallstrom and want to give him more time. Or, right. You know, But this is if you want to make yourself more competitive and have a better chance to make the playoffs and do damage in the playoffs, then you bring in someone like Tyler Toffoli who can give you 20 to 25 goals and 50 points. Exactly. Um, And then my last team was the Chicago Blackhawks who have one win in four games so far this year. And we know when things aren't going well, they like to move things around. Um, And Brendan Saad has been moved around a few times. So yeah, yeah, at least so, you know, from and back again. So I I could see him being moved like they, they also need cap space. So why not? You know, move Brennan Saad, bring in guys like, again, Sebastian Ajo, uh, uh, Thomas Hickey to bring in veteran presence. Uh, and obviously, we'd have to give up picks and stuff, but that's something the Islanders could do. Um, so I look at the Chicago Blackhawks or something of, uh, of that sort. How many more years does Saad have left? I believe two. Let me bring it up. I could be wrong here. He has two more years at $6 million. Okay, that's not... Awful. Exactly. On a guy who, you know, in in a good year can bring you 53 points. You know, you're talking about 31 goals and 22 assists. That's pretty good. Yeah, he had 47 points last year. He has three in four games so far this year with Chicago. I mean, outside that 35-point season in uh, 2017-2018, you look back at it's 47, the 35, uh, 53, 53, 52. I'd sign up for someone who can give you high 40s, low 50s in points right now on the second line. 
like consistently, right? That that's he's getting you that almost no matter what. So that's great. Yeah, let's do that. Depending on the cost, obviously. But the whole point of the article is who do you call if you're Lou Lamarolo? Who do you call? And it can't be the Ghostbusters. And I so like. I, I really. I've been desperate to make that joke for like a week. I'm glad you did. That's a very on-brand reference. Mitch <laughs> referencing an 80s movie and making a dad joke, that's just too... Whoa, whoa, franchise. It's not just movies. There's the cartoons. Oh, the cartoons are the best thing possible. Don't okay. even get me started on the, on the real Ghostbusters. Oh, just God, perfect cartoon. Perfect cartoon. Oh, Anyways. My goodness. Unbelievable, Mitch. Unbelievable. Um... Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think if there's any other team right now that I think uh could make sense. Maybe uh, uh Vegas has guys on long-term IR, but they're doing uh, well. So the they, idea here is like you got to find a team who's willing to do a trade. Who's willing to do a trade if they're doing well, right? Yeah. Uh, that's a great point. So like Minnesota, who yeah. wants anything out of Minnesota? That's, there's a reason they're not doing well. Uh Dallas is one that came to mind, but when I look at Dallas, I go, well, what do we have to give? We have defensemen to give, but we want forwards. Well, they want the opposite, so like that doesn't match up. Yeah, that doesn't work. I mean, they have solid top-end talent with you know Sagan, Ben, Pavelski, and Radulov, but then after that, there's not a whole lot to write home about. Which is why they are where they are, right? Um, and then you got like the New Jersey Devils. They're rife for a trade. They need, they need something to happen. Their AGM is now behind the bench. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. Uh, it's, just, it's what like the opposite of um, what's that TV show where like the CEO of the company goes and like schmoes it undercover up with, boss. Like, that it'd be that except he tells you before he does it. And I, I know that the Devils are, I guess, a rival, but they are, they are, and they're in the division. They don't have a second or a third round pick, so I feel like they want picks. We would have to give a lot to get something off of them because they're they're looking to move forward, right? That's why they made all those moves this this off season. So like, why they, why would they be getting rid of essentially? They brought in essentially a whole new top six, well, half of a new top six, and a, a number one defenseman. They revitalized their entire team. Who are they going to move? Guys that they just brought in? Well, there's a reason they they're moving them. And then we have to overpay because it's division. No thanks. Yeah, I, there's not really anybody here that Wayne Simmons is on a one-year deal, but he's off to a slow start, one point in six games. I, I we got a better version of Wayne Simmons. Yeah, so I think you picked three pretty good ones, Mitch. There's not really one sticking out where I'm like, oh yeah, that's got to be that's the guy, that's the team that I'm getting on the horn. The only other one is Ottawa. Ottawa, but, yeah, but who are you prying away from Ottawa? They would love to give us their owner, but uh, ain't no one touching him. Hard pass. Hard pass. Dude, he's being sued for a billion dollars, and it's actually going to court. They're not settling. So he's sued. There's a whole, there's a whole thing going on here. It's physically here. I'm in Ottawa. Um, his, they were supposed to redevelop a section of downtown to build a new auto, uh, Senator's Arena. That fell through because they're both idiots, and they couldn't <laughs> figure out. Anyways. Melnick is suing his partner for $700 million. His partner is now countersuing him for a billion dollars. And that's going to court now. <laughs> it's wild. Oh, my God. And they lost the bid. They can't build it now. It's going to go to someone else. So they're screwed. They're screwed. The, the, the city of Ottawa is pretty screwed, and so are the Ottawa senators. Oh, 
before, Ottawa. Well, we'll get back to them in, in the patron. There, there's a question about the patron on the mailbag. Okay. So, yeah. Anyways. Uh, uh, but they're, they're a team that, you know, they could make a trade. Are, are we paying someone a lot of money and we're not actually paying him a lot of money? I don't know. Right? Like, is the AAV high but the actual payout <laughs> low? Because that's, that's an Ottawa move right there. That would definitely be an Ottawa move. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but that would definitely be uh, an Ottawa move. Yeah, but outside of that, I can't. I can't think of a team that that we would want to trade with. No, not not really at, at this point. Maybe by the trade deadline, someone falls out of it a little bit more, and they you know drop into the mix. But as of now, I think everyone we just mentioned seems like the teams that would make the most sense. That's a long time away. The trade deadline, it's like end of February. I know. Well, we're only six games into the season. <laughs> exactly. So we got to sit around waiting for Lou to get do something. Uh, at the trade deadline. God, I hope he does something this year. Absolutely. So uh, with that, you want to get into the quiz segment? Let's do it. In the Whoops, wrong Brandon. button. <laughs> <laughs> Excited, Butch. I love it. All right, so today's edition is the Victor Cruz Rydberg edition, or Cruz, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, he was a draft pick by the New York Islanders in 2013. So Matt... Okay. I'm going to ask you three questions. I want you to give me answers on those three questions. Hopefully you get them all right. I don't imagine you will. Question number one for Victor Cruz Ridberg. What position did he play? That name, Mitch, screams defenseman. Incorrect. He was oh. a center. Okay. All right. Play I'll take the L center. on that one. All right. Two. Did he ever play in the NHL? And by that, I mean, has he ever played a single game in the NHL? I'm gonna go with no. No. Can you can you name the highest level of hockey he's ever played? This is a sub question. It's not question number three. Um, I'm gonna go out and say AHL. Correct. Seven games at the AHL level with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Okay, that was less than I thought it would be, but. <laughs> um. All right. Last one. Where did he play last? If you can name me, uh, I, I'm looking for either the league or the country. And if you give me the team, even better, but I doubt you can do that. I'm going to go with the ECHL. Incorrect. He's playing out in Sweden in the Division One for Kalmar, where he has eight points in nine games. Good for him. He's killing it over there. Still killing it. Fifth round pick in 2013, 136 overall. Still killing it out there for Kalmar. He had 17 points last year, and he's already halfway there in a third of the, of the time. So... Good on him. He had a 40-point season just two years ago. So looks like he's hit where he needs to be. Yeah, it seems like he's doing something right. So good on him. And uh, there's your 2013 trivia. Can't wait for 2014, Mitch. Do you remember his name? No, not a clue. <laughs> I know it was uh, uh, Victor Cruz something. Ridberg. Okay. Victor oh. Cruz Ridberg. Yeah. R-Y-D-B-E-R-G. All right, so when we come back, we are going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. All right, Mitch, what do you got for us this week? So the first thing I have, and really the only thing I have, is from Alex Soti, so at AJ Soti, S-O-T-I, on Twitter, who said on the 14th, founding father of the Oliver Wallstrom fan club, submit your membership request to the DMs. So if you're looking to join the Oliver Wallstrom fan club, which you should. I'm in. Uh, Alex is starting it. He is the founding father. Uh, get your DMs over there. 
Okay, so I'm going to have to do that right after we finish recording. I think that's the move. Yeah, just straight in my veins, Oliver Wallstrom can't, can't go down. He just can't go down. Please keep him around. For me, it was one of my favorite days of the year oh, yes. this year, Mitch. The puppy calendar shoot. <laughs> it's the third, maybe fourth year that they've done this now at this point. I believe third, yeah. And they got a new dog. Last year they trained uh, Radar to be yes. a vet dog. Now this year it's a girl puppy. And they are voting on her name, so make sure to head over to the uh, Islanders' Twitter account. They tweeted out a link where you can go vote. Uh, Bell was an option, short for Belmont. Yeah, fair, yeah. Tory was one okay. for Bill Tory, but it's spelled T-O-R-I. Um, I got to find the other two. Oh, this is yeah. going to bug me. I'm trying to think of, of better ones, because others are fine. They made, it makes sense to the organization. You know, something for Coliseum. Like Collie, maybe? Collie uh, would be a good one. There's three other ones. Okay. Lacey, Lacey, Rosie, and Hattie. Yeah, all right. I, I, I get it. I get the links, but like, meh. I like Bell the best out of those. Yeah, Bell for sure. Bell for the win. I think... Uh, S- smash the vote button on that one. Yeah, I'm going to vote for that for sure. But the pictures from the New York Islanders Twitter account is just... Absolutely phenomenal. Like I said, it's my favorite day of the year, every single year. And uh, the calendars are for a good cause, America's Vet Dogs. We had the uh, privilege to work with them a couple of years ago when we did our live show at the South Hempstead Fire Department. So uh, make sure to pick up a calendar from them. They go on sale Black Friday, I believe. Nice. Do that. Um, I have one here from, it's at Purify161 who tweeted a picture of the official Islanders yearbook from 1984-85. Dope. And it's amazing because it's the whole team surrounding him, all the players, Potve, Bossy, Trache, Tanelli, they're all there. Uh, Nystrom, Smith, they're all there. And then <laughs> the boss, Al Arbor, is sitting there on a chair looking like uh, just regal, regal in his chair surrounded by his uh, Hall of Fame crew going, sup, I'm going to destroy your team this year. I need that jacket that he's wearing in that picture. I so who was the person who tweeted that? Oh, someone tweeted saying like, "If you send me some money, I will make you this jacket." How much? It was <laughs> a lot. It was a lot. Okay, <laughs> it's a lot of money. Oh my god, I I am in on that jacket though. That is beautiful. It's a beauty jacket. So if you, if you want, you can Isles blog retweeted it, or you can at Purify One Six One on Twitter. Um, just yeah, head over there, and it's it's just a beauty jacket, beauty picture as well. Absolutely, I got one. It's kind of two in one. They're both Oliver Wallstrom related. So, okay. the first one, what do you think of them giving giving him uh, number twenty six, Joshua oh, Sang's number? Tons of shade at Joshua Sang. Yeah, that was uh, done purposely. I think no, no, I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I don't. Maybe he likes 26. Didn't he wear like 16 or something like that? And that's Lad's number? I get. So give him 61. He No. Do you not know who runs this organization? I know. That's one of my critiques with Lou Lamarillo, too, is he's too much of a hard ass with that stuff. Well, that's just what it is. That's one of the restrictions. Restriction one, Lad's already wearing it. Restriction two, Lou has weird rules with numbers. So what's left? Well, uh... 26 is 16 plus 10, so that works. Like, that's hockey logic right there. Why not stick with the 45 that he wore in training camp? 
Because you can't wear it to anything over. So then why give it to 30? him in training camp? Because training camp doesn't matter. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, I feel bad for everyone with a 45 Oliver Wallstrom jersey. And who knows? Do you think he keeps 26? Like, that's going to be his number now? It is now. Why would he change it? Unless Lad leaves, I don't see him changing it. I, 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 I don't know if his number is 16 per se. I'm pretty sure that's his number. I think so. That sounds right. So. And then uh, my other Oliver Wallstrom one was, so Wallstrom's dad, Joaquin, took a 5 a.m. flight from Georgia to watch his son's NHL debut. And then Oliver says, it was really special. He helped me choose out my tie today. It got really emotional. I had to leave before he teared up, but it was really special to have him here. I mean, that is just phenomenal stuff. I, I'm I'm teary-eyed now. Look, I, I can't watch an episode of This Is Us without tearing. So, like, thinking of that and me being in that position, whether it's my son or my daughter playing their first competitive anything or, or, or their first day at their dream job, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my mind. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's going right. to be Sob City, USA, except Canadian, so, like, maple syrup. <laughs> So, I mean, I just reading that, like, that sounds like a really awesome and touching moment between father and son. Then I could, you know, I feel that. But I, f- I feel like for you, because you're kind of in that position where you have two kids like that, I feel like it's kind of close to home for how Oliver's dad's feeling. Yeah, dude, I get teary-eyed when my son can draw a car. It's, it's nothing much. He draws like a, a square with another square and like two circles. But like to me, I'm going, oh, my God, he's drawing something. It's not like a weird scribble he's doing something on purpose and i get all teary-eyed because of that so when, when they do whatever they want to do as, as their dream profession or whatever oh my god i don't know what's gonna happen yeah so i just wanted to share that because that's really awesome stuff and yeah. relatable content it's huge that's huge like yeah I, i'm good on him for for making the trip i can't imagine that was cheap although flights in the u.s are pretty cheap um comparatively because canada is ridiculous um, but yeah, man, like good on you. Yeah. You, you do what needs to be done. You suck back as much coffee or Red Bull as you need to be there and awake for it. Cause that, yeah. that's once in a lifetime. Exactly. And that's, I'm sure, you know, the father's proudest day, Joaquin's proudest day and Oliver Wallstrom, he, you know, they're both of them are never going to forget it. So it was awesome that he was able to be there. That's really cool stuff. Absolutely. God, that's amazing. Anything else uh, for the social segment, Mitch? That's all I've got. That's all I've got. That, that's really crossed my path it's because the Islanders have been quiet for a couple of days, right? Like nothing's really going. They haven't played a game, so no one's talking about nothing. Yeah, it's the second day in a row without a game. The Islanders are going on their first road trip, though. They're going to Winnipeg tomorrow. Well, you're probably listening to this on Thursday. So t- today they are playing a game, and then their next one's not until Sunday after that? I believe so, and Saturday, then they have like Sunday. a four-day break. Yeah, so uh, I don't love this scheduling right now. No, off days it, the same thing happened last year, right? Before they went to like Los Angeles, they had a four-day break. I think you're right. That sounds that sounds familiar. Yeah, before they played against the the Ducks, so they play Thursday and then they play on Saturday on Saturday uh, against the Blue Jackets at 7 p.m. and then they don't play till Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes at home. Yeah. Well. Okay. That's a that's a while. That's uh, a while. All right, Mitch, so before we get out of here, let me just get some plugs out of the way and we'll promote some stuff. So like Mitch mentioned earlier in the episode, if you are interested, you can subscribe to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. So what we do there for five bucks a month, you get post game shows for every single game. 
You also get a weekly mailbag, which we're going to record right after this show where we answer all your questions. And anytime there's like breaking news or we do an emergency podcast, that's where it's going to go. So you're going to get a bunch of extra content there. Um, and we just hit our 100th subscriber this past week. And I, I, I said it on Twitter, but I want to say it on here too, because it's different audience between my Twitter and this show, but on it, like, I don't want it to sound cheesy, but it really means a lot to all those people subscribing to us and you guys allowing, uh, Mitch and I to do what we love every single day is something that I know I don't take for granted at all. Not at all. It's amazing. I wake up every morning with a huge smile on my dumb face because I I don't have to go to work anymore. I don't have to go to my day job. I don't have to go to the cubicle. I wake up and I think about the Islanders and I get to do Islander stuff. Oh, oh, it's amazing. So we really appreciated that. And I just wanted to put that out there. So you could definitely subscribe if that's something you're interested. You could also follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My personal Twitter is at Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is at TLO Mitch. You could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You could download our app, which is available on iPhone or Android, the Eyes on Isles app. And of course, you could visit the website, eyesonisles.com for all your New York Islanders needs. Mitch, episode number 113 in the books. Another week down. I'm excited to talk again. See you next week. See you next week, buddy. All right. That'll do it for us. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.